by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Last week we started a series uh, called Faith Forward. It actually stemmed from our New Year's message about things that we can do to have a good 2023. And the first one was faith forward. So we just ended up in a series about growing in our faith. And we're talking about the journey of Abram to his name was changed to Abraham until how he changed the world by his faith. Y'all ready? Are you at Hebrews 11 yet? Does anybody know what that's often referred to in Hebrews 11? It's called the chapter of what? Faith. Good, good. So much wisdom about Hebrew, I mean, uh, faith in Hebrews 11. Father, I pray that you would use my mouth today, that you would help me settle down and teach and not try to preach and get off uh, message, but that the word would speak into the lives of these people today and that their ears will be, their spiritual ears will be open to hear. They would be ready for the change that's ahead. Because it's going to be good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Take that off. All right, Hebrews 11, verse 8. It says it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God. He obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give to him as his inheritance. We talked about that last week. That was the gist of our message, how he left the town called Haran. God said, I want you to leave Haran and go to a place that I'll show you and I'll bless you. But he didn't tell where he was going, so he had to leave by faith. He had to leave his family. And we talked about how the name Haran uh, in the Greek means crossroads. And Abraham got to a crossroad in his life, and he decided to go with God. And it was by faith, it says. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land that God had promised him, he lived there by faith. Are you living your life by faith? You see, Abram figured he was a foreigner. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, his children, his grandchildren, who inherited the same promise. Say same promise. Abram was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. He was looking to heaven. He was looking to the great by and by, they call it. He was looking to save up his treasures in heaven, not build a kingdom down here, but build God's kingdom down here so that we can all be together up there. And Jesus, that's what he's excited about. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Jesus wants you there. And uh, he wants you near him. But we see here that it also, it, it wasn't just Abram. It was to his children and his children's children. Could it be that your faith will matter 
in the genealogy of your family line? I believe it does. I believe some of you are in here today that maybe come from a family that didn't worship God before. But now you do. Amen? Some of you may be here today and your parents worship God, but you're still trying to make up your mind which path you're going to take. You're at the crossroads today. We'll choose God. Go with God. It'll always be the right answer. Galatians 3.29 says to us that now you belong to Christ. You are true children of Abraham. See, this is the New Testament talking about what happened in the Old Testament. You are heirs. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. You remember when we just said together, same promise? It was the same promise? Well, that promise belongs to you as children of faith. So last week, here's the, here's the gist of what we got to. Faith in God unlocks the promises of God. By faith, we have eternal life and we have abundant life while we're here. What we believe gives substance to our hopes. What is it that you hope for in life? Faith gives substance to that. What we are faithful to do reveals where our faith lies. Now, I'm giving you all the notes from last week just to catch you back up real quick. Faith without works is dead. Whatever you're doing in your life, whatever you're pursuing shows where your faith is. A journey of faith requires staying on the potter's wheel. Doesn't mean You can't just up and run every time things get hot. You've got to stay with God. Because while Abram learned God's character, God was developing Abram's character. That's that grand exchange. You see what I'm talking about? And what we learn from Abram's journey today is going to help develop our character. Aren't you excited? How many of you know I, could, I got a little few sharp edges here? and I need to let God in there. I got some tough clay. I got some uh, hard spots that need to be softened. My heart can be hard at times. I need to let God in. So today's message is entitled, Jewels Along the Journey. So we're going to take some nuggets of wisdom that we see along the journey of Abraham. We've already got to the place where he got to the crossroads. He was 70 years old when that happened. So it's never too late, right? He chose God, and look what he did afterwards. So we're going to look at some things. The faith forward journey doesn't promise a life of ease. We need to know that on the front end. There's going to be a roller coaster ride. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. There's going to be feast and there's going to be famine. And Abraham saw that right off the bat. Some of you are used to a roller coaster ride in your life. I'm telling you, if you got Jesus in the roller coaster car with you, it's a lot better. I have learned to live on an even keel even when everybody else is freaking out. I have learned to, to, to be able to endure the hard times with joy because of Jesus in my life. And in the journey of faith, there's long seasons of same old sometimes. Because this is a long life. Sometimes it's the same old that gets us. You know what I mean? Same old. 
That, oh, here we go again, another Monday, mother, another Tuesday, another Wednesday. And you're just going through the motions. Sometimes that's the time you get your eyes off of Jesus because it's the mundane. Maybe there's not been an up or a down in a long time. The journey of faith requires focus. And that's why we have church on Sundays, isn't it? This is the filling station. And guess what we have during the week? Life groups. That's the filling station. That's why it's so important that the processes that we have put into place here at Passion are all to help you keep your focus on Jesus, keep your identity in Christ, and help you to focus on your faith journey. Does that make sense? The great man of God wrote this. The fool waits till calamity strikes to try to work up his faith. Have you ever been like that? You're just like, well, you know, it's just been same old for some while, and I'm not paying attention at church these days, and I'm just going through the motions, and, and then some calamity strikes, and you're like, you want to believe God, but it's like, I ain't even talked to God in six weeks. I'm not reading my Bible. There's no faith in here. Faith is like a muscle. It must be worked. Yeah. I love that quote. That guy that wrote that must be really smart. <clears throat> so we got, I mean, we got some, so many things that we're going to learn upon this journey today. That's the first one I got. Uh, we probably won't get to them all. The second one is that making missteps and mistakes along the journey is par for the course. You're not the only one who has sinned. You're not the only one who has made mistakes, fell back, uh, made wrong choices in your life. You're not the only one who's let their heart grow cold at times, right? The reason I, I, I said that faith is a journey and it requires focus is because when Abram went out to go to a place where he would follow God, it was like, he, he was probably thinking, God told me to come here, and there's going to be a, a big party when I get there. But it was just like life in a tent. And then there was a famine coming to the land. And Abram had to go to Egypt to find food. And he goes to Egypt, and he's got this good-looking woman next to him called his wife. Her name is Sarah. And she's very beautiful for her age. Abram is 75 years old at this time, and his wife is probably 70. I can't remember exactly how much younger she was. But she is so beautiful that he's concerned that the, the Pharaoh and the kings of Egypt are going to want to take his wife from him and kill him. So he tells, he tells Sarah, he says, tell them you're my sister. And that way they won't kill me. And sure enough, that's what happened. He t she told him that... She was Abram's sister, and they did take notice of how beautiful she was. And, and Pharaoh was going to take her for himself. And he had brought her into his home, and he was about to seal the deal when all of a sudden God intervened and said, Whoa, wait a minute. This is going in the wrong direction. Do you think it was God's plan for Abram to lie to Pharaoh? Is that a trait that God 
ask you to be a good, I want you to be the best liar. <laughs> no, God doesn't like lies. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth. It's the devil is the father of lies. So this is a mistake right off the bat that Abram is making. He is lying to Pharaoh. We already talked about last week that he made a mistake. Soon as God asked him to go, he told him to leave his family, but he took Lot with him, his nephew. So he's making, right off the bat, mistakes and missteps. And I want you to know, if you're starting your faith journey and you're making mistakes and missteps, you are not alone. It takes a while to begin to, to pull everything together. But God is merciful and patient to those who will stay on the wheel and those who will fail forward. If you're going to fail, fall into the arms of God doing it. Fail forward. And one of the things we're going to have to learn on this faith journey is that God will be there to pick you up. He is for you and he is not against you. He's not up there with a hammer looking to bump you on the head. Oh, there he made a mistake. I was waiting for that. Walk. It's like whack-a-mole. Some, some people think we're playing whack-a-mole with God. And you're trying to duck. Let's turn to Psalms 103. Just, just a brief excursion about the character of our wonderful God. He's good, ain't he, Larry? Yes, he is. Psalms 103, verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. How often does his love fail? Never, because love thinks the best about you. Love knows you when you are perfected. He sees the future. He knows what you're going to be. He knows the problems and the situations you're going through. He knows your past. He knows your hurts. He knows all those things that's got a grip on your heart right now. And, just... and making you the person that's... He knows that. I used to say, you know, the Bible says that we are butt dust. You know. <laughs> he will not. <laughs> Come on. I can't preach today. I'm trying to stay in teach mode. So, so let me have some fun along the journey. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. I know that's one of my deals. I, I suffer from bad case of condemnation. I beat myself up worse than anybody. I make a mistake, and I'll be saying, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God, three weeks later about that one thing when God forgave me the first time. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Move on! <laughs> Let it go. Enjoy the grace of God, the mercy of God. If you understand the mercy and grace of God, it won't cause you to say, well, I got a license to sin. It'll say, I don't even want to sin. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. Now, be careful when you listen to that. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. There is a built-in punishment for your sins. 
But there is a fatherly punishment that God could add to that because you are his children and he's trying to teach you. But he will not always punish you for your sins. You can cry out for mercy with a repentant heart and say, God, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, didn't, I, I realize and I humble myself before you. And you might touch the heart of God. And he says, okay, I'm not going to punish you. I'm going to give you another shot. Just like a, your, your earthly dad would. Is that biblical? Am, am I being scriptural there? It says right here that he will not always punish us. He does not harshly accuse us as we deserve. He does not always punish us for all our sins. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of heaven from the earth. And he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We need not lose sight of that. When we were saved, we were so excited that our sins were forgiven. And we were clean before God. We were right with God. My past is in my past. But then we get to walking down this mundane and every now and then with a feast or a famine. And we begin to lose sight of that. And we begin to let things pile back up on us. And we begin to feel bad about ourselves. And we don't walk in the freedom that God has for our lives anymore. God has, he wants freedom for you. You remember we had that series, Just Be Free? I wrote a song. We hadn't played it yet. Uh, we're still working on it, but it's just be free. Don't be afraid of God. And don't be afraid to fail. Just fail forward. I'm going to ask some questions during this message. How long does it take you to get back up after a misstep? Ponder on that. The Lord's not a hard taskmaster. Master, master, master. He's not a hard taskmaster waiting to punish us. Faith in his character must be established early in our walk of faith. Or you won't continue the journey of faith. The religious don't walk by faith. They beat themselves up. They tear everybody else down. They appear self-righteous. Oh, look at me, I'm great. But on the inside, they're, because they're tearing everybody else down, they begin to tear themselves down. That's the religious spirit. That's the spirit of the self-righteous. But we are children of mercy and grace. And we extend mercy and grace to others. And therefore we are to extend mercy and grace to ourselves. Because that's what God wants us to live by. Does that make sense? Galatians 5, 6 says, but faith worketh through love. This faith journey is only going to work if you understand God's love. And you give God love. It's a grand exchange. As you grow in love, you grow in faith. They go hand in hand. So Abraham made some mistakes early in his journey. He made some mistakes later on too. But then he began to do some things right. He separated from his nephew Lot that he wasn't supposed to bring in the first place. 
There was some contention. Lot had grown blessed just by being with Abraham. And the blessings of Abraham began to flow over to Lot. And Lot had a family too that he brought along. And he had servants and they had goats and sheep and cows. And there was, they got so big that they could, the land couldn't hold both of them. And Lot's men began to fight with Abram's men about this well and whose water it was. And they wanted to kill each other. So Lot went and said, look, or Abraham went to Lot and said, look, we love each other. We're family. But we need to separate. We do not need to do things like this. He gave him first choice. He said, look to the left, look to the right. You decide where you want to go, and I will go the other direction. And he separated. You don't get to the promised land settling with sinners. Some of you need to separate from your friends who don't want to go in your direction. You got to get off the bus to Detroit if you want to get to Nashville. Right? I've often said that. Where does your heart want to go? You're not going to get there riding in the back seat, toking on some wacky weed, hanging out in the bars, but they're my friends. I had a lot of friends when I got saved. And when I got to the crossroads, I chose God. If I would have stayed with those friends and did those things that my friends continued to do, I never would have stayed walking with God. My life would have fell apart like their lives fell apart. But when I made that separation from Lot, and I decided I wasn't going to live in Sodom, that I was going to walk with God, then my life began to be blessed. As their lives fell apart over the years, they had mocked me at first, but now they come back to me for prayer. They come back to know, want to know, how can I be saved? Now most of my friends are saved. I would have never had that opportunity if I really loved my friends to see them saved by being with them and doing the things that they did. You must come out from among them and be ye separate. What fellowship has light with darkness? The Spirit of God with the Spirit of the devil. Not, I'm not saying you don't love them. I'm not saying you don't talk to them. But you cannot live that lifestyle any longer. You have to come out and separate from Lot. And, and, you know, one of the things the Israelites did in the wilderness, they had been slaves for 400 years. They had a slave mentality. And when things would get tough in the wilderness, walking with God, it was only an 11-day journey, but they couldn't keep their mouth shut, and God wouldn't bring them in while they were murmuring and complaining. And so they kept saying, well, I just want to go back to Egypt. You're not going to get to the promised land if your heart keeps wanting to go back to Egypt. Paul said, this one thing I do is forgetting the past and pressing on towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I got purpose now. I'm not, I'm not riding around in the wilderness any longer. I'm faithing forward. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, bad company corrupts good character. In case you needed to see it in the Bible. Yeah. 
There was a man named George Washington. You may have heard of him. He was a president. He said, associate yourself with men of good quality if you esteem your own reputation. It is better to be alone than to be in bad company. Set yourself apart. So the question on this one is, are you willing to separate from those destined for Sodom? They may not be bad people. Oh, they got a good heart. I, I, I understand. I love them too. We're going to pray for them. We're going we're gonna to keep ministering to them. But we cannot ruin our reputation and our, our, what's the word I'm looking for? Our witness for Jesus Christ. You cannot. Faith journey doesn't take you through strip clubs and casinos unless you're there to witness for Jesus Christ. All right, number four. Abram separated peacefully from Lot. Now, this is the time where somebody, if you got into it with somebody, you're liable to whip out your sword and go at it. It was rough times. I mean, kings overcame kingdoms and, and people fought to the death over disputes. Sort of like today. I mean, there's no middle ground today. <laughs> You either believe like me or we hate one another. Not Christians. We separate peacefully. Romans 12, 18 says, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I like how it puts that. It doesn't say that you must live in peace. You must get along. You must hang out with everyone. It doesn't say that. But it says do all that you can. God knows that you can't do their part for them. But you do all you can to live in peace. And so they separated peaceably. Don't burn all your bridges with people. The question I had on that one is, are you in active conflict with anyone right now? Don't answer out loud. Yeah, me and you, Pastor. <laughs> no. Do you have a bone to pick, so to speak? Are you in active conflict with somebody right now? What would God have you do? Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That doesn't mean you put yourself back in harm's way or anything like that. But faith forward and do all that you can to settle the hostility and to be peaceful. Peacemakers shall inherit the earth, Jesus said. God loves peacemakers, those who get along. And we're living in a society, like I said, where if somebody does you wrong, you know, that you bought something online and they said it would get there in three days and it, on the fourth day it got there, you're going to write a bad review and tear the company down? Or the, the, the waitress is slow getting you your second glass of tea and I ain't giving her a tip. You know, it ought not be. It ought not be said amongst us. Praise God. All right. So Lot went and settled in the town of Sodom. The Bible says his soul was vexed, living amongst such sinners. And I think we can all say, oh, my, my goodness, our soul is vexed. And we don't understand. Did I say something? No, just 
<laughs> they said that they got somewhere to be. All right, so <laughs> I so rarely get a laugh out of Angie. That was good. <laughs> Let's just stop and Man, that made my day. Okay, where was I at? Our souls are vexed in this society in which we live. Amen? We say, well, we don't, we feel so dark on the inside just being, the, the world's rubbing off on us. But we won't put that phone down for a minute, will we? We're just partaking of it. It's like we're, we're eating. I don't know why I'm getting fat. Now I'm meddling. No. But I don't know why I feel yucky on the inside. But Lot chose to live in Sodom. And so his soul was vexed. His family was vexed. Everything was going wrong. And the next thing you know, these five kings over here decide to, to fight against Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding other kings. And they, that's the way they did back then, boy. It was all or nothing. They just kill one another and take what they want. So these five kings are defeated Sodom and took Lot and his family and his possessions for themselves as plunder and carried them away and was going to, you know, use them as slaves or whatever. Well, somebody escaped and went and told Abram, and Abram went and rescued Lot. He said, God, should I go? And God said, go get him. Because the life of faith is a life of courage. What you just said, separate from Lot. <laughs> I'm glad I separated from Lot. Yeah, but like I said, we still care about Lot. And so Abram went with just 300 of his own household servants that he had trained. And they defeated five kings in an amazing victory. And God will give you victory if you're on the faith journey with him. Boy, you're never in a safer place than you are on your faith journey. God is not going to let anything stop you from completing your faith journey. You can sense that Abram's faith and courage level was rising, walking with God. Faith breeds courage in us. I had some old friends that when I got saved, like I said, I had to leave. I talked to, I was blue in the face and they just going to do what they're going to do. And they're not interested in serving God, so I separated myself. And like I said, over a period of time, they began to call me. Will you pray for me? My life's falling apart. My wife is leaving me. I'm on drugs. You know, I've seen demons. All that has happened to me. Had one guy call me and say, um, I know I ain't talked to you in a long time, but I got this little John boat and it's worth about $600, and I'll sell it to you for $200 if you'll bring it to me right now. And I was like, what, what, what are you talking about? What's the, what's, why do you need $200? He said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I owe this drug kingpin a lot of money, and he's holding me hostage right now. If I don't give him $200, I won't, I won't live past 5 o'clock this afternoon. Now, you know, I don't like a lot of gunplay. I don't like drama. You know, some people do, but I don't. But the love of God rose up in me. I said, "Forget the boat. 
I'm just bringing you $200. Where are you at? And I went, and they wouldn't let him out of the car. I had to walk up to the drug kingpin's car to give him the $200 to let him out. And I didn't know if he was going to rob me or whatever. But I got to take him home and had him set up to go to warrior ministries, you know, and to turn his life around. The next day he called me and changed his mind. But it wasn't long after that that he came to faith in Jesus Christ. Like so many of my friends, he got saved. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. When you're standing firm in the faith, you will be courageous and strong for God. You'll find things going on in your character that you didn't know were there. God is bringing out the best in you. When you stay on that potter's wheel, God is, is getting his hands into your life and making you the best version of you that you could ever imagine. Each one of us can look back. If we've been on the faith journey for any length of time, we can see that we're not the person we used to be. And I can only imagine where I'll be in another 25 years of serving the Lord. Think about your life moving forward. He was willing to put his life on the line for others. And I asked this question. Have you died to self? The faith journey helps us to decrease so that Christ may increase in us. The faith journey leads us to take up our cross daily and follow him. To, Paul says, I die daily. I die to my selfish desires. I die to that sinful nature. I die to this old lazy flesh. I die daily. And you can't kill a dead man. I've already died. So if I got to go deal with a drug kingpin or whatever, for me to die is just a promotion. You understand what I'm saying to you? For me to die is to be with the Lord, which is far better. Faith puts you in a place where you're not afraid anymore. Have you died? To yourself are you in the process of dying to yourself okay so Abram goes and he's the hero of the story he whoops the five kings he brings Lot and his family and all the plunder that they had stolen and he brings it back and then in this valley this priest shows up and his name is Melchizedek he's a very Strange character in the Bible. He's a man, but the Bible says he's without beginning or end. And he shows up and he's a priest from Salem. Salem means peace. He's a king and a priest. And he shows up bringing, bearing bread and wine. And now my lightning fast mind got to thinking, you know, I'm, that sounds familiar. 
I know a king of kings, and I know a high priest who's a man of peace, is without beginning and without end, and came bearing bread and wine. And it says that Abram gave him a tenth of the spoils. It was the first recorded tithe in the Bible. Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Do you know that the tithe is a sign of your faith? Will you give your high priest, your king of kings, your prince of peace, will you trust him? The one whose bread, whose body was broken, and whose blood, whose wine was spilled out for you, will you trust him with a tenth, which tithe means tenth? He gave him a tenth of the spoils gladly. Talking about courage. Tithe is a test of your faith. And then the king of Sodom came, and he was so happy. Man, you rescued us, you know. These were the same guys wanting to sleep with their angels when, when they came by Sodom. But that now they're happy, you know. You rescued us, Abram. You can keep all the, the money and stuff. Just give us our people back. And, and Abram basically said this. He said, you take your stuff. Let no man say he made me rich, but God alone. Are you able to say that? Has your faith journey taken you to a place where you can say, money and stuff has no hold on me? I'm rich by the grace of God. And if I give it all away, then he'll give it back. Every time. Can you trust God with your finances? Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. God has, that God has given us the tithe as a test of our faith. Until you get to that, past that test, you've got to ask yourself, am I walking the journey of faith? Let no man say he made God rich, but God alone. Okay, number six. What, I used to have a clock up here, and I'd look over there and when I... But it's gone now because when I put that sign up there that says the time is now, the clock went dead. Same week. So I took it down. So I think he's telling me stop looking at the clock. The time is now. You just do what you're supposed to do right now. Okay. But we are going to have to quit at some point. So I'm trying to gauge your uh, attention spans out there. You guys are getting a little anxious. It's time to eat. You know, I don't know. See. Okay. Let's see a good place to quit. We'll, we'll do one more. Number six. Abram gets to a place where he, he's honest with God and he tells God his needs. I mean, for some of us, that's very easy. <laughs> you know, I'll go to him in a minute. God, I need this. I need that. Some of us are like, I don't know if God wants to hear my prayers about that. I don't know if I deserve, you know, it's just from where you come from. But the Bible says you have not because you ask not. And you need to humble yourself enough 
to be able to ask for what you need from God. And Abram finally got to a place where he said, God, you're blessing me. I got all this stuff. You're in my life, and that's great. But when I die, it's not going to go to anybody because I don't have any heirs. I don't have any children. Me and my wife are old, and we're childless and barren. And so he presented God. He finally asked for it. Maybe God could have done it sooner if Abram would have asked earlier. And so he asked God for his needs. And then God says, go outside your tent, Abram. Look up at the stars in the sky. And God gave him the stars. Abram asked, and God said, look at the stars. If you, can, you can't even count them all, Abram, but that's how many your descendants will be. You know where those descendants are today? Right there in them purple chairs. All around this world. And everywhere that we have missionaries in the world and the places that we don't. Uganda, India, Pakistan, Iran, North Korea, Germany. All around the world, Abraham's descendants. Because we're descendants because of our faith. We're saved because of our faith. We're children of God. We're all brothers and sisters together because of our faith. We have a home in heaven because we have faith. It is by faith that we live and move and have our being. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Faith is so important. And Abram finally took God at his word. I believe this was a turning point. When he saw those stars, he, he said, the Bible says, he believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You say, how did the Old Testament saints get saved? Jesus wasn't even here yet. They believed God that he was coming and it was counted to them for righteousness. They were saved by faith, just like we're we have faith in Christ who's already come. They had faith in Christ who was to come. But it's the same faith. God is looking for faith. That's a good place to quit right there. Mm. We, got, we, got a, we got a good ways to go. And has this been good so far? The things that we can learn from this journey... I think I said it started in Genesis 12 or 13. I think it's 11, really, and goes on through the 20s. You can read the story of Abraham if you want to study up on this. These are just things that God is showing me and pulling out of here about our faith and the journey of faith, the jewels that we can find along the journey. You remember, we'll close with this. You remember last week I told you a story about me deer hunting, and I promised you I'd tell you more, and then I forgot at the end. And Nicholas said, nobody listens to your stories. They don't care. <laughs> and he's probably right, but I had to remind you. But, uh, but I had said, you know, that I killed my first deer, and I came home, and everybody was gathered around, and I told, uh, 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 I was, you know, killing a deer is an important thing for a young boy. You know, it's a passage to manhood, you know. You're thinking, hey. And my stepmother, Mary, she kept getting on the phone and telling people, look at the the dear Emery put guy on, Emery was my dad. She started giving him all the credit, and it just made me so mad, you know. And I, I told every deer I would kill after that, she would do the same thing. It was like, she's not giving me any credit. I'm the one pulled the trigger, you know. And, uh, and I said, well, why are you, you telling this story? And I said, I don't know. But I was going to tell you that my dad 
eventually moved to Texas, and I'm, you know, I went to college and stuff, and, and for the next 20 years, Dad wasn't there to go hunting with me very often. And do you know for the next 20 years how many deer I killed? <laughs> Maybe Dad had put me on those deer. Maybe it was Dad that had made me blessed and successful. Amen. Same thing with your faith journey. You're not going to get to where you need to get without Jesus. You're not going to become the person that God's called you to be without Jesus. This journey must be hand in hand with your Father in heaven. He will grant you success. Let me pray. Father, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That you love us more than we love you. You love us more than we love ourselves. You have never left us. All the dumb stuff we did, you didn't, you didn't leave. You didn't quit loving. You didn't quit hoping the best for us. You didn't get mad and write us off. Because Jesus went to the cross and paid our sin debt. Lord Jesus, I just pray if there's anybody here today, in the sound of my voice, maybe online, wherever, that they don't know you, that they, at that place of crossroads where they have to decide, where do I go from here? Do I, do I follow God or do I just keep going down the same old dead-end path that leads me into this deeper rut in my life? Do I continue to sit on the throne and make bad decisions and pretend that I'm in charge? Or do I turn over control to somebody who can be trusted? all that I am. Jesus, I acknowledge that you are my everything. Jesus, you. There's no one of, no one who could have treated me like you done. No one who created me in my mother's womb but you. No one who came to save me but you. Lord, I love you. And I pray if there's people here today at that crossroads that they would take that first mighty step of faith. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you must make Him the Lord of your life. You give Him control. And you say, Jesus, I will follow you. To do that, you must make the decision to turn from your old ways. And to turn to Jesus. Repent of sins means to turn away from them and say, I want to live the good life. I want to be the good man, the good woman. I want to be the one who changes generations to come in my family. I want to be the one that they look back and say, oh, they made the right decision. and They lived the life that was to lead their children and their children's children to fertile fields and to the promised land. If that's you, you want to make that decision today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you want to give Jesus your life. I just want to pray with you. Would you raise your hand so that I can see and pray with you today? Anybody here? 
Don't be embarrassed. It usually takes that one brave person to break the ice. Anybody here today that say, I'm at a crossroads in my life and I want to choose Jesus. Thank you. I see that hand. We're going to pray together. Is there anybody that wants to pray with us that would say, I need Jesus? Maybe your life is going great and you're saying, I don't need Jesus. Trust me. That's... That's a dangerous place to be because it's appointed to man once to die, then the judgment. We're all going to die whether we're doing great down here or not. We're talking about your eternal life right now. The decision not just to follow him here, but to, to follow him to that place that he's creating for you in heaven. To escape the flames and the torment of hell for all of eternity. One more time, and I'm going to pray with the one. Is there, is there another that would make Jesus Lord of your life today? Well, man, young man, let's pray together. Jesus said he wants to hear it out loud. He wants to see your heart. If your heart is in this, that's what he's looking for. He wants you to confess it out loud. So pray with me like this. Say, Jesus... I'm sorry for my sins. I turn from them. I turn to you. Because you paid for my sins. And you were raised from the dead. And I want to be raised from the dead. With you. I want to live for you. I want to walk this faith journey. With you. Be the Lord of my life, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.